Hello and welcome everybody to the book of Jude. We're in the last week of July. The last week of July in 2020. It is going by really quick and it has not been fun. Our prayers are still going out to those who are affected by the virus, those who are being persecuted all over the world, but mainly in China and uh, countries where Christianity have been, has been persecuted for centuries. And so we just, I just have seen some very troubling things over the past uh, couple weeks. And if you're not uh, following us on Facebook, it's called Book of Jude page. You can find us that way or Book of Tim, at Book of Tim Jude. But I shared some things about some some Christians in China and and other places. Christians are being persecuted, and I know over here in the United States we really don't see a lot of that. But it happens, and we need to be aware of it so that we can pray for those. So today, what are we talking about today? Well, of course, we're continuing. Uh, going through the seven churches of Revelation. Today we're talking about the church of Sardis. And we're going to be talking about the sufficiency of the Bible. Is the Bible sufficient all on its own? Or, because, you know, it's a closed canon, meaning we cannot add to it, we cannot take away from it, but is it not sufficient enough for us that we have to get more revelation from God or hear more wisdom or words of knowledge from others? Well, of course, the answer is no, the Bible is sufficient. And we're going to explore some of these uh, people who say that we need extra biblical revelations from God. I mean, don't you believe that everything we need to know about God is in his word? We don't need people coming up and telling us, oh, God told me this, God told me that. No. Everything we could ever want to hear God say has already been said, and it's found in the Bible. It's found in the Bible. God spoke through his prophets who wrote in the Old Testament. And in the last days, what did the verse say? He spoke through his son, Jesus Christ, and the apostles who wrote the New Testament. Some people say, oh, I want to sit here and wait on an answer from God. I want to sit here. Uh, I want people to prophesy over me and all. The... For what for? Because the Bible isn't sufficient for you. It's not enough for you. For the Word of God is living and active. Hebrews 4.12 So if someone ever came up to me and said, God told me, you know what I would say? I would say, I hope it's a passage from the Bible. And if it's in the Bible, if you're about to tell me what's in the Bible, you don't, you don't need to say it. Proverbs 28, 26 says, whoever trusts in his own mind is a fool. Proverbs 3, 5 says, trust in the Lord with all of your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. I don't need to know what God said to you to tell me. Forever, O oh Lord, your word is firmly fixed in the heavens. Psalm 119.89. Do you understand? The Bible is sufficient. So if you want to hear God speak to you, then read your Bible. If you want to hear it audibly, press play on your phone. If you want to hear him speak to you out loud, read the Bible out loud.
or press a little play button. <laughs> the Bible is sufficient. Period. But for the Word of Faith movement, it's not enough. And so they, they wanna they believe in the miracles of today. And before I move on, I, I understand that God can do and has done miracles in the past, present, and in the future. He's God. He can do whatever he wants. He can raise the dead if he wants to. He can do all of these things. I'm talking about the men and women who claim that they're faith healers. The Todd Whites, the Benny Hens, the, all these people that believe in this junk. It's ridiculous. Luke 9, 1-2, And he called the twelve together and gave them power and authority over all the demons to cure diseases, and he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal. Proclaim as you go, Jesus said in Matthew 10, 7, 8, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, and cast out demons. There was something going on then. And we all know what it was. It was the gospel of Jesus. It was Jesus' life. Uh, God, the Son, hath come down and tabernacled among us. So that's why we see in Acts where they received the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit came upon them, and they're going to be witnesses, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. The crowd came together and were bewildered because the, each one of them was hearing their own language. Hey friends, if you enjoy listening to the Book of Jude podcast, share it with your friends and let them know that they can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts for the Android, and many other places. How shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? It was declared at first by the Lord, and it was attested to, uh, to us by those who heard, while God also bore witness with the signs and wonders and various miracles and by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed accordingly to his will, Hebrews 2, 3-4. Did you get that? It was God doing it, and it was on the apostles. It has nothing to do with us. So, your Mike Bickles, your John Hagees, your Todd Whites, your Paul and Jan Krauts, your T.D. Jakes, your Jimmy Swaggart, your Kenneth Hagen, your Kenneth Copeland, Benny Hinn, Oral Roberts, Creflo Dollar, the list goes on and on. These people are heretics. They're not preaching the biblical gospel, and they're not producing miracles. Not one. Not one of them. Acts 28.9 says, And when this had taken place, the rest of the people on the island who had diseases also came and were cured. Now, that, now that's a big difference. When the, the miracles in the uh, Bible happened, it was instantaneous. It was a full, uh, it was a full healing. Now, let me say something. These people today, they, oh, just keep praying, keep having faith, keep praying. No. If God says you're healed, you're healed. <laughs> God doesn't say you're a little bit healed. Uh, you got to gotta up that level of faith here. You got to give me more money. I'm, I'm the genie. In, no. Are you kidding me? So the apostles went about uh, 
doing miracles as a sign that they were sent by the Lord. And their, their, their message was Jesus. These people are, are blasphemous. John Gray, while you were worshiping, God just changed your financial situation. Really? Did he, John? And I bet all the people cheered. This year is the year of your breakthrough. Oh, great, great. Benny Hinn prophesied that um, Fidel Castro will die in the 1990s. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Thanks, Benny. If you truly understand the miraculous gifts of what the, according to the scriptures now, you will find that almost every single one of these supernatural manifestations of today that we hear about from these false teachers, it's a contradiction to scripture. Yes, I believe in praying that pe for people being healed. I, I do it every day. I pray for healing for people every day, for their recovery, for their... Uh, I, but I don't, I don't put my hand on them and say, in the name of Jesus, get up from this hospital bed and walk out with me. Do you know why I don't do that? Because number one, I'm not an apostle. Number two, God didn't tell me to do that. And number three, do you know how harmful that is to someone's faith? And these people do it all the time because what they do is when it when nothing happens, they blame it on their uh, their own faith and not giving enough. And and they they walk well. There must be unforgiveness in my life and all of the. It's harmful. It's hurtful. It's sickening actually. And I know we covered this, but if you actually believe in Jesus' name and you can name it and claim it. Uh, Prove it. Prove it. Joyce Meyer said, I know that there's power in life, in right words, that words that are containers for power, and I don't care what kind of mess you've got. I'm begging you tonight to stop talking about it. Don't don't speak uh, bad things, right? They'll, they'll, this whole thing about speaking life is is trying to be godlike. They think that you can speak things into existence, which is man trying to be like God. And I know what happened the last time someone tried to be like God, but you got to know your Bible to know what happened. Uh, Joyce Meyer also said, and start talking, still talking about the words you speak, start talking about what the word says and what you can have. Make yourself a list. Do some homework. Make sure you've got a scripture to back up every one of your confessions. She continues, we're not talking about some magic, goofy, new age thing. Yes, you are. I'm talking about doing what the Bible says, calling those things that be not as though they are, prophesying to dead, dry bones in your life. She continues, oh, you dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Make Maybe you need to get your checkbook out and say, Oh, you checkbook, hear the word of the Lord. You are not going to stay empty all of your life. And everybody cheers. Are you kidding me? So I'm supposed to take my checkbook out and speak to it. I have that ability. Come on. We're not talking about some goofy magic thing? Oh, oh yeah, we are. We, You are talking about some goofy magic let me tell you something. Um, you can put her book, The ba uh, Battlefield of the Mind. There, there is a uh, mystic, mystical book, uh, a 
But, so all of this stuff is mysticism, okay? So name it and claim it and believe in the power of your words and all that stuff. It's it's not the gospel, so what is it? It's mysticism. You can line her book up with some of these books. They say the exact same thing. Exact same thing. And oh, by the way, since you need to know your Bible, she's talking about the dry bones. Uh, Ezekiel 37, 1-10, Prophesy over these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord to these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter you, and you shall live. And I will lay um, I will lay upon you and cause flesh to come upon you and cover with uh, cover you with skin and put breath in you and you shall live and I know I'm the Lord. What does this have to do with me? Seriously. It, and and not only what does this have to do with me, what does this have to do with my checkbook? So what does Ezekiel 37 mean? It means God being rich in mercy because of his great love, which he loved us even when we were dead in our sins, made us alive again. And by grace, we've been saved. You see, if it doesn't point you back to the gospel, it's not of God. If it doesn't point you to God, it's not of God. Speak to your checkbook. Oh, you checkbook, you are not going to be empty for all of you. Are you kidding Second Timothy 4.3 warns us, For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itchy ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. God already spoke about this. It's right there in Second Timothy 4.3. People want itchy These people are clapping to these things. John Gray said your financial situation is going to change their own passions their own passions he's sugarcoat they're watering down sugarcoating the gospel you have itchy ears and they're they're trying to make it sound great when the gospel doesn't need anyone to make it sound anything the gospel is the gospel there's not one human being on this earth that can give life speak it into existence only God gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that do not exist. Romans 4.17. That's the word of God. But John Gray, in Elevation Church, Code Orange Revival, September of 2016, he says words create. They create your reality. Speak that which is not as though it is. That's mysticism. Look it up. He also says words convene. When you speak what's on God's mind, everything connected to that has to show up. And he also said words conquer. It was the sound of a shout that made those walls of Jericho fall. John Gray, words create. They create your reality. Speak that which is not as it is. The, okay, so Romans 4.17, as it is written, I have made you the father of many nations in the presence of the God in whom he believed, who gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that don't exist. Who does that? John Gray, you do that? No, I don't think so, sir. I don't think you have the power to call things into existence. God, God does, not you. And you also said that words convene. When you speak something that's on God's mind, everything has to show up. Where is that in the Bible? Anywhere? Seriously. Sounded good, though, didn't it? What's the second thing he said? Words convene. 
When you speak what's on God's mind, everything connected to that has to show up. You know, you know what verse he's talking about? Neither do I. It's not in the Bible. I don't know what he's talking about. It's not in the Bible. So he's just making things up. It just sounds great. And the last thing he says is words conquer. And he's talking about Jericho. Joshua 6, 2. And the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have given Jericho into your hand with its kings and mighty men of valor. So who did it? Did the Lord do it? Or did their shout do it? They just obeyed. What's the Bible say about our our speech when we speak things, our tongue, our voice, our everything, right? James 3, 5, and 9. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire, and the tongue is a fire, and world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, set on fire by hell, for every kind of beast has been tamed by man, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. Wow. That's what your speech can do. You don't speak things into existence. I can't talk I can't speak over my checkbook or my bank account. Here's another verse for your speech, for your tongue, for your lips. Psalm one forty one, three and four. Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. Do not let my heart incline to any evil. All right, we are now on the Church of Sardis, S-A-R-D-I-S. The Church of Sardis, this is found in the beginning of chapter 3 of the book of Revelation. To the angel of the church in Sardis write, He who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars say this, I know your deeds and that you have a name that you are alive but you are dead. Wake up and strengthen the things that remain, which were about to die. And I have not found your deeds completed in the sight of my God. So, verse 3, remember what you have received and heard and keep it and repent. Therefore, if you do not wake up, I will come like a thief and you will not know what hour I will come to you. But, you have a few people in Sardis who have not soiled their garments, and they will walk with me in white, for they are worthy. He who overcomes and thus be clothed in white garments, and I will not erase his name from the book of life, and I will confess his name before my father and, be, and before his angels. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. All right. So that's the beginning of uh, chapter 3 in Revelation. goes from verse 1 to verse 6. This is the church of Sardis. We do see the themes, once again, a call to repent, a church that was uh, doing good or thinking they were alive, but no, you're, Jesus says that you are dead. So Sardis, uh, it was on a natural Acropolis rising 1,500 feet in from the valley floor in this city it was uh you could hardly get to it this was around 1200 bc 
It gained prominence as the capital of the Lydian kingdom. Its primary industry was harvesting wool, dyeing it, and making garments from it. And this is why we get these this languages that Jesus used for this church. The famous author, uh, Aesop, it's spelled A-E-S-O-P, but it pronounced Aesop, uh, he came from Sardis. And so this was a famous author. He was known, he was a great storyteller. He was known for his fables. And also the tradition says that Melito, a member of the church of Sardis, wrote the first ever commentary on certain passages in the book of Revelation. And so the church in Sardis was dead, Jesus is saying. And so basically populated by the unredeemed, unregenerate people. So let's talk about Melito of Sardis. He was the bishop. He, uh, according to uh, tradition, and so he was uh, kind of prominent, foremost place uh, in terms of the bishops in Asia due to his personal influence on Christianity and his literary works. So most of which were lost, but we can, those that were discovered, he provided great insight to Christianity during the second century. All right. So back to the text, back to Sardis, we know the seven spirits, we know the seven stars. Uh, the seven stars are the uh, pastors or elders of these churches, the seven churches. And uh, Jesus says in verse three, he comes like a thief. So what does Jesus mean when he says he comes like a thief and you don't know what hour he's coming? So a lot of people automatically will go to, he comes like a thief in the night and we better be ready. Uh, but this is, in fact, judgment language. Jesus is telling, he just told them to repent. He says, you think you're alive, but you're dead. You better wake up. You better strengthen the things uh, that remain because if you don't repent, if you don't uh, receive and hear what I'm telling you, if you don't keep it, if you don't repent, I am coming like a thief and you will not know what hour I will come to you. So Jesus is saying it's going to be sudden and unexpected. And if you are unrepentant, the dead church, he's going to inflict harm and destruction. So this is in fact judgment language. This is the day of the Lord. Anytime you see the Anytime you see the day of the Lord, we're talking about a bad, bad day. So God is coming to, to inflict judgment, harm, pain, okay? And just to give you some examples, 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 2, For you yourselves know full well that the day of the Lord will come just like a thief in the night. Okay? Day of the Lord. Day of the Lord. This is judgment language. Second Peter, verse 3, also mentions... Like a thief, but the day of the Lord, this is verse 10 of Second Peter 3, but the day of the Lord will come like a thief in which uh, the heavens will pass away with a roar and the elements will be destroyed with intense heat and the earth and its works will be burned up. So this is uh, very known language, judgment language. I come like a thief. You don't know I'm coming. You better be ready. I'm coming to judge. All right. So in verse 4, he talks about what Sardis having uh, not spoiled their garments. So why did he bring up not soiling their garments? Remember what I said that the, the Sardis was uh, known for uh, harvesting wool, dyeing, 
it and making garments from it. And so now he's telling them who those who have not soiled their garments. Soiled means to smear, to pollute, or to stain. And garments refer to one's character. Uh, there were a few of those characters that were still godly, still left. You can even read Jude, uh, only has one chapter, but down in verse 23, it talks about this. The white garments of all of those who are redeemed, white garments. If you look through the entire book of Revelation, Revelation 6, 11, 7, 9, and 13, chapter 19 and 8, and 19, 14 speaks of uh, holiness and purity with those white garments such white robes are reserved for christ matthew 17 2 mark 9 3 the holy angels matthew 28 3 mark 16 5 and the glorified church in in revelation 19 8 and 14 and so if you you're the reader lets you understand the language that he's using in the ancient world white robes were commonly worn at festivals and celebrations so the readers of Sardis, the, the church, knew exactly uh, what Jesus, through John, was speaking of. And in verse 5, we see the same language as all the other churches. Who, he who overcomes, these are the true Christians. These are the few that's left in Sardis that they speak of, overcomers, true Christians, true believers. And then we get to the book of life. He will not erase his name from the book of life. What is the book of life? The book of life is depicted as a divine journal that records the names of all who God has chosen to save and who therefore are possesses eternal life. And all over, Revelation 13, 8, Revelation 17, 8, Revelation 20, 12, and 15, 20, chapter 21 and 27, chapter 22 and 19, and even in Daniel chapter 12, uh, verse 1. In Luke chapter 10, verse 20, we see references to the book of life. So I, I will read to you the first reference, Revelation 13, verse 8. All who dwell on the earth will worship him. Now this chapter is talking about the beast, not talking about worshiping Christ. Everyone the, the ones that are that are worshiping the beast, right? These are the people whose names have not been written uh, from the foundation of the world in the book of life of the Lamb who was slain. So if you are an overcomer, a true believer, a follower of Christ, a Christian, your name is written in the book of life. And it was written in the book of life from the foundation of the world in the book of life of the Lamb who has been slain, Jesus Christ. Under no circumstances will he erase those names as city officials. Now, this is what city. This is what's so important. You got to understand. It, if if Jesus wrote a book or a letter or had an apostle do this for us, it would be they would use he would use words and themes and and uh, different analogies so we that we would understand. So. This is back in their day, city officials often did this to undesirable people on their rolls. They would erase their name from their record, okay? And so Jesus is uh, using the same language to get his point across. Now, we know from the Bible that if your name was written in the book of life from the foundation of the world, obviously God has already determined, God knows the past, present, 
uh, and future, of course. And so he's already uh, determined that your name is in there. Before you were even born, you are his elect and preordained. So uh, we, we can see that in Romans. So no, have no fear. When the Bible says have no fear, know that God uh, has chosen you before the foundations of the world. Uh, but this warning is to the church of Sardis. And anytime he mentions um, like a thief in the night, remember that is judgment language. He that's not a, the day of the Lord, the day of the Lord. That's not a good day, especially if you're an un unbeliever. And so that uh, is the message, the letter to the church of Sardis. Next week, we'll be going to Philadelphia, Philadelphia. And so uh, we are getting really close to the end of this study. All right, that's a wrap. Thank you for listening to the Book of Jude podcast. We talked about a lot of things today. If there's anything I could pray to God for you about, uh, please message me uh, through Facebook or or uh, Instagram so we can get connected. I see, uh, I see you. Uh, I think I'm going to uh, maybe next week kind of name some names because. I see somebody uh, came in from Jamaica this this past week and another person in the Philippines. So I see you. And so uh, thank you for giving us a like on the face of, uh, uh, Facebook Book of Jude page. And so thank you so much for listening. I hope that, uh, if anything, through this podcast, you are hearing the gospel truth. So God bless you, and I can't wait to connect with you further.